Well, hey, welcome again. Uh, we've had a few more show up since we've gathered, and it's so good to see you. Um, I, I hope that you are more grateful than a few of my children this morning, because when we were describing what was going to take place today at uh, Grateful on the Green, I mean, they were really, really excited. And then at some point, someone brought up the fact that there was going to be a sermon. And, and a few of the children reacted with, I thought, I thought it was supposed to be fun. And so uh, there is a sermon. It is a shorter sermon, but there is a sermon nonetheless. Uh, and the, the simple aim of that sermon is to encourage us to live in the fullness of God's spirit, which is reflected in grateful thankful hearts. And so if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to be looking at verses uh, 18 through 20 this morning. If you don't have your Bible, that's okay. I'm going to read the text. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. This is God's word to us through the Apostle Paul. It says, do not be Drunk with wine, which is debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me as we consider this word this morning? Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this, this wonderful weather that we have, this wonderful opportunity we have to fellowship, and I pray that you would bless this time of reflection upon your word. Stir our hearts, Lord God, to be the type of people that are always giving thanks in all things, in the name of Christ Jesus. Lord, we love you and we thank you. I pray you'd guard me from error and bless your people. If there's anyone here today, Lord, that does not know the hope that we are looking at, I pray that even now you would begin to break up the hard ground in their heart and that the gospel seed would take root and bear fruit. We ask this in Jesus' holy name, the name above every name. Amen. So the theme, the, the title of the message today is Always Giving Thanks. And what I want us to see are three truths here in this passage regarding believers. And so if you are a believer here today, this is what is supposed to characterize our life. These are distinguishing marks of the believer. If you are not a believer here today, I first want you to know how grateful that I am that you're here and want you to know that you are welcome here at Copperfield. Uh, we're not going to turn you away. We want you to know the joy that we have in Jesus. But if you haven't met him yet, we would be happy to introduce you to him, but I don't want you to think that the essence of being a Christian is just deciding that tomorrow you've got to go out and do these things. The essence of being a Christian is coming to know and love and embrace what Christ Jesus has done for us to set us free from our sin and condemnation, that we might live in a flourishing relationship of fellowship with God the Father through Christ Jesus the Son as the Spirit of God fills us. And once God has done that work within us, here's what we recognize, that there's certain fruits, there's certain evidence that's going to be present in our life. And that's what we're looking at this morning. So there's three things that I want to note quickly that believers should be mindful of as being reflected in their life. The first is this, according to our passage, believers are to be 
controlled by the Spirit of God. Believers are to be controlled by the Spirit of God. When we look at verse 18, what we find is that the Apostle Paul contrasts being drunk with wine with being filled with the Spirit. And the point here is that believers should only be controlled by the Spirit of God. They should not be enslaved to anything. They should not be intoxicated with drink or food or hobbies or wealth or politics or anything else in this world that would so control them that it would change and direct their behavior. We should be governed by the Spirit of God, who according to Ephesians 1, has sealed us for the day of redemption in Christ Jesus. So as believers, your ultimate allegiance above all else is to God as the Spirit of God controls you. Believers are to be controlled by the Spirit of God, enslaved by nothing, which leads to a freedom that allows us to do the second thing that we find in this passage. Believers are to be blessing others. Believers are to be blessing others. If you see in verse 19, if you have your Bible open still, it says, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. There is an outward orientation to our heart in the way that we think about others. Believers are to be blessing others. As we are controlled by the Spirit, we naturally move from being inwardly focused to being outwardly focused. We become self-forgetful, as Tim Keller would put it. Meaning that we do not put more focus on ourselves, but more of a focus on blessing others, seeing them grow in their faith and maturity and love for Christ. Now, it's interesting. In particular, the Apostle Paul notes a particular type of behavior that takes place here in this passage. Paul notes that believers, when they are gathering in the church of Jesus Christ, people are actually supposed to sing to one another. Now, that's interesting, right? Oftentimes, we think about singing as an expression of our vertical relationship only to God, which is true, okay? I'm not suggesting that you should sing with a side eye to your neighbor to make sure they hear you in perfect harmony or that you sing constantly worried if they're laughing at you. However, while there is a vertical focus to our worship, there is also a didactic or an instructional focus to our singing where we're singing in such a way that the people next to us hear and are comforted by the message that we are, in fact, singing. So I want you to just take a second, okay? And, and this, is what's, this is what's kind of nice about being out here is you can see each other. And I want you just to, just for a second, just look around. Quit looking at me and, and look at the people around you. Now, I'm not fixing to ask you to do anything weird, okay? You know, some, some churches are like, hey, now look at your neighbor and do, say that. I'm not doing that, okay? Just take a long, hard look them in the eyes. I'll give you a second to do that. Okay, you've, 
For the most part, you've done that. You've, you've looked at somebody, you've made eye contact with them. You know that you are here with other people and that we are worshiping not as individuals uh, that are just in isolation. We are worshiping as parts of a body and the people around you are part of that body. And for many of us, We don't know all the particulars of what's going on in their life. We don't know the pain that they're feeling, the sorrow they're feeling, the struggle that they are feeling, the suffering, the anxiety, the fear that they are carrying with them on a day-to-day basis. But when we gather as the church of Jesus Christ, we must know that we have been filled by the Spirit of God to bless those that are part of the body of Christ. We've been called to encourage and strengthen one another with the truth of God's word through songs, hymns, and spiritual songs, through words of encouragement spoken in person, over the phone, and in constant prayer. God has placed you in the lives of each other. Let me put it that way. God has placed us in each other's lives to be a blessing. And let me just say this. I believe that he's especially placed us in each other's lives for this season of life. One of the hardest things about the lockdown has been being separated from people and being made acutely aware of how desperately we need others. We are not islands to ourselves. We will not flourish if we divorce ourselves from community. We were made to be in fellowship with one another so that I might see or hear. And and while we're singing, so a minute ago, while we're singing, Lord, I need you. I see some hands raised. I see some heads bowed. I see some tears being wiped away because I know that those truths are ministering to them. And while I have to admit, I'm having a good morning, there's going to be an afternoon when I need to remember that my sister and my brother that was struggling knew that they needed the Lord and that the Lord was with them and that I will gain strength and perspective and testimony from their own strength in the Lord. I need them as I see them needing the Lord. God in Christ is called believers to not only be controlled by the Spirit, but to be a blessing to others in the body of Christ. I don't know, I don't know what you are going through. I just know that you need others and others need you. And that takes place, as God has put it, in the context of the church of Jesus Christ, which leads us to the final point I would make from this passage is that believers are to be controlled by the Spirit, blessing others, and then third, believers are to be giving thanks to God. Verse 20. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Finally, we see in this passage that the believer is to give thanks to God always. It's quite a statement, right? Always giving thanks. Really? Always? For everything, Paul? Yes, in every situation, under every circumstance, God is worthy of praise and thanksgiving. Even in our suffering, our pain, our toil, our fear, our illness, our struggle, our anxiety, God is worthy of our thanksgiving. Not because we enjoy those things or because those things are inherently good, but because we have hope in the midst of those situations through Jesus Christ. 
Does this passage mean that we are supposed to thank God for evil in the world? Of course not. God himself hates evil. We can't press the application of that passage that far to suggest that we are supposed to thank God for blatant acts of evil as though those were something that was worthy of thanksgiving. God himself hates such things. Yet, what we recognize is that while we cannot and should not be thankful for the things that God despises, we can thank God that in all things he is working together our good. And that there are things that we can thank him for in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, which means even if I do not like my situation, there is a circumstance that I don't particularly care for. God is still worthy of my thanksgiving. You go, how is that possible? How could there ever be such a truth about who God is that would allow me to thank him in the midst of my storm, in the midst of my circumstance, in the midst of my situation? How could I possibly offer thanks and praise in the midst of this great evil, this great pain? Paul has answers for us, brothers and sisters. He tells us in Romans 8, 31, what then... Shall we say in response to these things, if God is for us, who can be against us? This ought to get us excited, church. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring a charge against those that God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and he is interceding for us. Do you recognize that in this very moment right now, there is one seated at the hand of the Father, and he is praying for you by name. He is praying for you by name. Not just some generic prayer. And and I'm, I'm... just, just for just for a second, just like I need to be really honest with you. COVID has really hurt my ability to get to know some of y'all in my in my first like, year and a half of being your pastor. And a lot of times, I am just affectionately calling you brother and sister because I view you as my brother and sister. And sometimes I am calling you that because I just don't know your name yet. I'm being honest, okay? I wish I did. But I can't, I, I, I can't get to know you until this stuff lifts and, and we'll get there, okay? I, I don't plan on going anywhere. But you know what? Jesus Christ does not pray to the Father on your behalf in generic terms. As if he doesn't really know what's going on in your life. He knows your need before you even ask. And the answer is on the way before you've even requested it. The right hand of God It's where Jesus is at, and he's interceding for all of us. And then it asks the question, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then here are the questions. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your your sake, we are facing death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, 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 in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. And if that's the case, if, if the reality is that the circumstances, the evil that I encounter, if those things are truly bad and I, and I don't thank God for the evil, yet I find myself in, in the, in the crosshairs of evil. I find myself in the circumstances and the pain and the sorrow that evil has brought into this world. And I ask myself, will this evil, will this pain, will this sorrow, will this separate me? From the love of God in Christ Jesus, the answer is always a resounding no. No, there's nothing that can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So how do I give thanksgiving? How do I praise him in the midst of the storm? There's not a storm that I'll ever encounter in this life that can separate me from the goodness of my Savior. There is literally nothing that can happen to me that should make me doubt that he loves me. Always giving thanks in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Always giving thanks for him who loved us and laid his life down for us. We are more than conquerors through Christ. It is Christ that empowers us to be able to give thanks in all things. Christ does not make us say that evil thing is a good thing, but rather that that evil thing cannot conquer me because Christ Jesus has conquered it. This thanksgiving is a mark of the Spirit's work in our lives. So I ask, does it characterize your life? Does thanksgiving and gratitude flow? Or does grumbling and complaint Is there a place for grumbling and complaint rightly understood in the context of lament? There is. But that's not what Paul has in mind here. Paul has in mind that grumbling and complaint that questions the very goodness of God because it has forgotten the truth that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Am I known as a thankful person, a a person full of gratitude? Or do people kind of run away when they see me walk up because they know that I've got a complaint? And I've just got something to complain and grumble about as if somehow the bones of Jesus had been found last week. Had they found the bones of Jesus? Did they find the bones of Jesus last week? They didn't. I'll save you the embarrassment of raising your hand on that one. They did not find the bones because the bones aren't there. Those bones are still clothed in flesh and life and immortality at the right hand of the Father. Coming back soon for us, giving us hope in the circumstance now. Therefore, we can give thanks. Always in every circumstance, we can give thanks. Because we know that our hope is not in the things of this world that are shifting, but in the Savior who is coming. You wouldn't mind bowing your head. just want to ask, has this Spirit of God made this change in you? 
Are you ready to move from this life of complaint and grumbling and ingratitude to one of joyful gratitude and thanksgiving because you've seen what God has done in Christ? For those of you that are believers, this is a call to to see again what God has done in Christ. And have your heart full of thankfulness. For those of you that may be here that don't know Christ yet, but but long to know that type of hope, that Romans 8, 31 through 39 hope, that hope that says, I want to know that I can't be separated from the love of God no matter what I face. Maybe that's you today. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I just want to invite you to pray and call upon the name of the Lord. You don't have to come up here. In fact, in the handout that you find, you will find details on how you can text us to let us know that you've prayed and that you need prayer and that you would like for us to follow up with you. But just right where you're at, I want to lead you to call upon the name of the Lord if you've never seen your need for the Savior until today. Simply pray, Father, I know that you are holy and that you are good. And I also recognize that I am a sinner, that I have sinned with a a heart of grumbling, a heart of complaint. I have rebelled against your goodness. I have have turned my eyes away from your many blessings in my life. Or I have believed the lie that you can't redeem my situation. Father, I ask that you would forgive me. And I know your forgiveness is costly because it costs the Son of God, Jesus Christ, coming and taking my place. So God, while I know you're holy and I'm a sinner, I'm asking that you would forgive me and have mercy upon me because of Jesus. Forgive me and save me. I believe that Jesus was and is the Savior of the world and he is Lord over all. I believe that he lived and that he died and that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day and that he's coming again. I believe this. Save me, have mercy upon me. I am a sinner. Where their heads continue bowed, the promise of God's word is those that call upon him in faith and with sincerity, he will by no means cast out that he will save to the othermost those that call upon his name. If you have called upon his name, I want to encourage you to text us here. In fact, while we're able to hang out, you're welcome to grab me or one of the other uh, uh, staff members here at Copperfield. We would be happy to pray with you and talk to you more. But if you want to pray or have someone pray with you, you can text the word pray, the number that you find in your bulletin handout, and we'd be happy to follow up with you and pray for you. As you reflect on the message this week, feel free to reach out to our staff by emailing care at copperfieldchurch.com. We would love to hear from you and pray for you. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and our other podcast, Equip for Good. Thanks for listening.